This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix. You're stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Frank Reddy. That is me. This is episode number 17 of Cinema Fix, and if you're new to the show, basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio where we discuss and review mainstream blockbuster films. And how it works is that each week, each episode is divided into two parts. The first part is where we give our general thoughts about whatever uh, this week's uh, major release is. And part two, which you're listening to right now, is when we really dive in depth and we give a more analytical spoiler-filled uh, discussion. We, we get a spoiler-filled discussion going about the movie. Um, very rich. Very rich discussion. Yes. Just I all actually, kinds I, of smartness. I actually do here. have some, some what I think are some pretty interesting analytical points to make about the film we're discussing today. Oh, wow. This is we, the first time I'm hearing about it. You've been keeping these in your back pocket, huh? I have. Huh? I've been saving the smart stuff. For when we talk Project X. You don't want to give me a heads up? I could have prepared something. <laughs> no. Maybe written a little something. A poem, maybe. <laughs> about my feelings on the subject. So I could keep up. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. We, we, we're talking about Project X this week. And if you haven't seen the film, you might want to listen to part one. Because we are going to spoil the film right now and really talk about what we did and didn't. Oh, like. we're going to spoil it so hard. Oh, yeah. Just ridiculous amounts of spoilage. Yes. First of all, it's about a party. So, mind blown. Right there. <laughs> Here's a clip. The whole idea behind tonight is to get these bitches to recognize us as large-scale ballers. I just don't really see the point anymore. How do you not see the point? There's the point. There's the point. Okay. There's two more points right there. It's all around you. Dude, I get it. If you pick this up, I will stab you. I'm not kidding. Okay, like no more than 20 people. 20 people? All right, 30 people, okay? 30 people? All right, we, okay, 50 people, absolute max. Fine. 50 people, absolute max. No, just big enough to be cool. Frank, I'm an old man. <laughs> I didn't care for Project X. Huh? I don't like it when those kids party. Huh? <laughs> I, th I think after part one of our discussion, people might think that <laughs> we're a bunch of old-fashioned... Doddering morons. Yeah, doddering morons that, don't, that can't appreciate a good time. But, uh, but that's not the case. And so, Frank, I thought we should we should take this opportunity to really dive in deep to Project X and explain why it is not a good film. So why don't you go first? Let, let's talk about this movie and why this movie is a blemish on the face of American culture. Frank, let's let's talk. What you know, those are big words. They are big words. Those are huge I, accusation. I, I, I will accuse. Are, are you saying you disagree with me? I I agree with you. I don't know if I take it that far, but I I agree there are some I I have some problems with the overall vibe being put out. Okay, can you elaborate? I I thought a lot of it was funny. I, you know, I was willing to go with it to a certain amount because it's a comedy and you exaggerate things and you take things to a certain level and that's fine. Um, you know, I I think that what got me though is there was almost the sense at the end where, you know, he's talking to his father and there's the sense that in a way there's, it's a good thing he did this, that he threw all inhibition to the wind and that he cut loose and it kind of glorifies just this type of fun that comes with 
irresponsibility and negligence. And it kind of he, – he basically throws away his future to have one night of fun. And, and there's a moment where they make it seem like maybe it was worth it. Right. And that's tough to swallow. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that scene in, in a little bit. But I, I just want to say that, you know, there there's a lot of films out there about high school and college kids just trying to get laid. Yeah. It's a very common uh, plot. Even, I think it was last year or the year before, it was that movie, The Virginity Hit, produced by Adam McKay, which was another handicam film about a bunch of teenagers going around trying to get their friend laid, essentially. And while that wasn't a great film, it was at least better than this one. And I think had a slightly more defensible uh, moral compass <laughs> than Project X. You know, and the thing about a lot of these movies in which we see all these kids engaging in bad behavior, whether it's Animal House or Superbad or whatever, is that there's always usually – there's usually some sort of recognition or realization that we can go too far. We need to dial it back a bit. In Animal House, I don't think there was a recognition – well, maybe not in Animal House, but that that movie's in a, even super bad. I don't think it was. Well, okay. Well, like in Super Bad, there comes the moment when Michael Sarah is about to have sex with uh, the, the the girl that he's has a crush on. Yeah, and he kind of backs off and is basically like, "I'm not no, ready for this. I'm not ready for this." And maybe not that he's not ready, but it's just like I I don't want it to happen like this. Well, I think that what Super Bad had going for it is that. At the end of it, it was really just a sweet little story about these two these two guys, these two best friends who are afraid that they're going to grow up and grow apart. Right, and that that's and that then like the sex of it all became a representation of stepping into it a, a manhood, yeah, and growing up and leaving behind childhood. Yes, and it it looked at some of the sadder aspects of that, which is that you you know you go off with girls and you leave your your friend behind. You right. grow up. Right. And that idea of this is the time in your life when you're coming of age. This is when you are becoming a man because typically these films are aimed at men yeah. and are about men. Um, you know, that seems to be one of the, 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 the dominant character elements in a lot of these movies. And I think that's fine. I yeah. think that's a topic well worth exploring. You know, I think you can be sometimes I, I don't necessarily agree with overall a lot of the messages being promoted in those films, but overall, at least they're they're trying to explore it in an interesting way. Yeah, and you know, even something like Animal House is interesting in the idea that it's kind of like this is our college life, this is our time. We, you know, the world is out there, so we need to have this this time just for us. Yeah, basically, and I think that's an interesting idea. That idea that okay, maybe to some extent. Once you graduate, there is almost this loss of innocence, this idea that, oh, now I have to go work for the man. Now I maybe I'm losing some of my... You lose your freedom. Yeah, I'm going to lose my freedom and my independence. So I can understand this sort of glorification of rebellious bad behavior to a certain extent. But my main issue with Project X is that it takes it too far and it doesn't know when to take a step back and just say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we need to we need to be responsible now because people are actually getting hurt. Well, really, I I kind of wish they would have. Ex- I would have been interested to see if they've explored that a little bit more because you know I almost couldn't help but think of, um, Lord of the Flies a little bit halfway through where it just these kids on an island and 
their society breaks down, they begin to lose all order. And that's what you kind of see towards the end of this movie is just the bigger the party grows, the more, the more drunk, the more drug addled, the more just lost in a frenzy that these kids get order begins to literally break down. I mean, you see them attacking police cars, it literally police, literally representations of law and order in society and just beating it back. And I, I would have liked to see more of, um, more exploration, excuse me, exploration of things like that. Because I think that's interesting. Well, sure. Look at how this stuff can grow and kind of get out of hand. Right. And I mean, they, 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 they the, the basic plot is okay. Mm-hmm. That idea that, okay, Thomas is turning 17 um, and his friends want to throw him this awesome birthday bash while his parents are away and he's kind of the loser. And this party is supposed to make him and his friends, quote unquote, cool. That idea that sometimes bad behavior, sometimes rebelliousness, this is what makes you popular. I think that's an interesting idea worth exploring. My main issue is that it essentially agrees with that assumption. It agrees with that idea that, oh, if you you need to be popular – in order to be successful in life. And in order to be popular, you need to do whatever it takes, even if it's really, really stupid and irresponsible. Yeah, I mean, I was almost okay with the movie. Like, I, I could have walked out of the movie and said, you know what, I was I was entertained. Um, and, you know, if I take it on face value, it's a fun enough movie. It's a good way to pass time. Um, I think the thing that really bothered me was at the very end when they go into the school and there's, like, that big clapping fest. Right. And, you know, the, the, that... It just uh, that to me just sends completely the wrong message, which is that on some level this was all worth it. And you're looking at th- this kid after he's just said, you know, I'm facing jail time. You know, I I might go away for this for a little while, and it, it's almost saying that, well, okay, well now you've earned the respect of your peers for throwing up. It just it, for throwing a party. I, you know, it just kind of reinforces all these ideas that I think already make high school really pressureful. Oh sure. And I think instead of saying that, you know, you almost want to say, you know, this none of this matters. Like yeah. in a couple of years, you graduate and you go to college and none of this means anything anymore. Right. And, you know, I struggle with how much it's the movie's responsibility to entertain and how much it's the movie's responsibility to moralize. Um, well, well, here's the thing. I think the movie had potential to be a brilliant work of subversive cinema. If these actions actually had consequences, yeah, I think it could have done both. I think that's why I was right. disappointed. Is I think it, I think I thought it could have been raunchy. I thought it could have been really fun, but I think it also could have, um, you know, alluded more to the darker elements of all this without totally letting the air out of all the comedy. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think the the audience is going to enjoy a lot of what these kids are doing and a lot of the comedic and over-the-top aspects yeah. of it. So it's funny because some of it does feel real. I mean, you feel like sure. if you went to a party, I mean, this is what kids do. So I don't have a problem buying the premise. Right. Because the premise is pretty much what if the party was allowed to go on well past the point where the cops would get there and just keep growing and growing. Right. And growing. And you get into all this stuff, like mom mentality type stuff. Right. Where it's just like, what if there was no one there to say stop? And to kind of shock these kids back into reality. Right. And But the problem is because, as we mentioned in part one, because it's filmed in this handicam documentary style and it is meant supposed to it, – it's supposed to come across as, yes, this really happened. This is real life. You can do this. You can have a party like this if you want. This happened. Um, 
I felt like, well, if this is the real world, I want to see real consequences. Yeah. Let's be honest. These kids are um, – they're drinking heavily. Uh, they're also doing drugs. They're doing ecstasy. They're jumping off of roofs. There's t- hundreds of people. I think at the end of the film they say there was like 1,500 people there in the streets. There's a flamethrower at one point. There's tons of people in the pool. I mean there's so much stuff that could go wrong. You know that if something like this happened in real life, people would get injured. Or if they if they didn't die. Yeah, and it I mean, in fairness, they do try and show you that, you know, the kids burned down his parents' house. Right. They're, they're homeless. Um he um Oh, the car is ruined. Yeah, and he might and he's gonna go to jail. He he does go to jail, they confirm at the end. But what they don't show you, I feel like, is like the really what I think would be like the heart wrenching stuff, which is like he just says it. You know, my mom hasn't stopped crying since it's all happened. Right. And I feel like, in some regard, you know, I I want to see that scene because you almost feel like I almost feel like you have to acknowledge the selfishness of what he did. I mean, he 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 destroyed his parents' home. He humiliated them in front of the community. He, they're probably gonna go. They're gonna go bankrupt. They're gonna lose his college fund, paying for his legal defense. Um. Like you almost – even though it's a comedy, like I still want to see that scene because otherwise it just doesn't feel quite real. Well, here's the thing. is It's it's a male-dominated film. Yeah. It's aimed at uh, male audiences and I feel like it's taking this very sexist approach to life Yeah, and this idea that, yes, if you're rebellious, that's the manly thing to do. Oh, and oh, if you want to be responsible and cry about it, oh, that's so feminine. I mean – well, his yes. father backs him up on that. Exactly. His father backs him up to a certain extent and says, you know, I was kind of worried you were going to be a loser. I, I didn't I, think you had it in you. I didn't think you had it in you. And, you know, and, the, and yet, oh, the mom's crying, but we don't see that. Yeah. And they spend the entire movie objectifying women and basically saying, oh, look at these – all these uh, bitches and hoes who, who are here for us to sleep with and, you know, and and then, of course, the camera during all of this is like ogling these women along with them. Yeah. And I, w- and I was kind of in the back of my mind a bit uncomfortable because I'm thinking, wait, 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 wait. These are supposedly college and possibly high school girls that the camera is ogling and the audience is being encouraged to objectify these these girls, some of whom could be underage. I'm not sure that is a good thing, you know, that the filmmakers should be doing. Um, and it, it just felt like such a misogynistic movie in the sense that, yes – here these men are. They were object- they're, they're objectifying women. They just want to um, have sex and have a good time and party. And oh, if, if mom cries, it doesn't matter because good job, son. And I just it, that I think that's ethically very uh, disturbing. It just seems like there's a perfectly there, that was a very interesting route to go down. And I was you you want there to feel like there's a sense of consequence that happens i mean this is essentially a male fantasy world in which men can do whatever they want and get away with it and women to a certain extent will accept it i mean let's face it in the end he gets the girl yeah i mean she walks in on him with his hands cupped on another woman's breasts about to have sex and then the next day all is forgiven because he apologized Yes. And I was sitting there and I was kind of like, no, this is not – this is not cool. Like, I'm sorry. If you behave like a sexist asshole, 
<laughs> then you should face the consequences for it. You know? Um and and you're right, that scene at the end when the when the his dad basically comes down on his side. It's just it's hard to swallow. Yeah. It just you don't understand you know, they're going for this realistic feel, and I, I feel like my fa- my father would kill me. Right. It's like I, uh, you know, I mean, he acknowledges he's like, son, you're probably going to go to jail. We're going to have to use up your college fund, so you won't be. So you're you screwed. You're basically <laughs> screwed for life. But yeah, ha- I didn't think you had it in you. Good for you. And I was sitting there, and I was kind of like, okay, what's the virtue in this? Right. And I here's here, this movie. If it had changed that one scene slightly, it could have been brilliant. I think. If at the end, instead of the father saying, well, yeah, your life's going to suck from now on, but good job. If the father had said, your life's going to be fine. We're rich. I'm going to pay for a new car. I'm going to get you out of jail. You're going to be at college. Good job. I forgive you, son. I think that would have been a very interesting move because it kind of would have felt appropriate, I think, for this time that we live in in which people are angry at rich white bankers and rich wealthy white men who seem to basically get off with everything and can buy their way out of any problem no matter how irresponsible they are so i think that would have been an interesting move pretty subversive you know i think for me i i was kind of enjoying the movie up until like those literally the last 10 15 minutes and um you know, I just really wanted to see some consequences and really see them. They could could have gone out, I think, on like a darkly comic note, right? And just see some like this is see some consequences and have it feel like it meant something, right? I think this movie would be really brilliant if either there were some really harsh consequences that we got to see. I feel like you need to like end. see him in jail, right? At the end, like it's not enough to say he's going he's going to jail. Well, the movie basically says he's going to jail, but that's okay. And I feel like the movie either needed to say he's totally ruined his life and that is not good. Yeah. Or it needed to say he's gotten off scot-free because of his uh, socioeconomic status. Because there's no denying that, that they live in a fairly nice house. His dad's got a nice car. Looks like they're pretty well-to-do. I was sitting there in the theater and I was thinking, okay, these these people, they're the 1%. And the movie almost seems to be glorifying these the actions of these irresponsible upper middle class males to a certain extent and at the same time it's using this party and this handheld documentary aspect to almost be like we're one of you guys we're going to get all of you together and we're going to join the fun and it's all going to be one big party you should all join to join in and we'll, we'll be like this 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 movement this thing that happens, we're, 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 we're part of you. We're part of the community. Um, and I just felt like that's, that's not true, you know? Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, I, I don't, th- I think of it less as a metaphor for the 1% and more, it's just, well, right. It, it, I mean, it rings true in terms of what I've, in terms of, I mean, I, being a teenager, having been a young adult, it rings true to, in terms of what I I know, mm-hmm. in terms of what you know the desires are and the, and the you know the goals. I mean, because I mean there are people who their goal is just to go out and get you know as drunk as possible every right. night and oh, sure. have a good time. And for me, it, like it could have been a really interesting almost satire of that 
and been without becoming preachy or like a you know a flat out cautionary tale it could have examined kind of like the darker elements like it almost could have been Todd Phillips taking the hangover and saying okay well this is like the dream version of it where everything goes hilariously wrong but then works out and and this is okay everything goes hilariously wrong and then you're in deep shit right and I, I feel I feel like that would have been a movie I would have loved to see. I feel like Todd Phillips isn't that kind of filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, Todd Phillips, all of his movies, to a certain extent, are about glorifying white men doing bad things, which, to a certain extent, I think is interesting to explore that idea of the sort of disaffected white male, often at, at certain times, oftentimes middle-aged, kind of trying to hang on to aspects of their youth. Yes. And get back that that party time when they were free. I think that's interesting. But at the same time, his movies don't strike me as particularly culturally progressive. And I know that this is reaching. And I understand I cannot blame the film for this. The film was in production a year and a half before the Occupy movement. But it's being released now in the shadow of these uh, rebellious movements like the Tea Party, like the Occupy movement. And just in the past year, we've seen a lot of handicam footage being released online of police in riot gear, you know, attacking protesters. And that that those images are in the cultural consciousness. And I could not help but think of that when I was watching this film and you've got images of police in riot gear storming this party disrupting the lives of these kids who basically just want to have a good time and I realize you know I can't blame the film for coming out at this point in time but at this but I felt I, I almost felt like it delegitimized real protest movements because I was making that connection in my mind between movements like the Occupy movement and then, oh, kids who just want to disrupt the system and have a good time and be ir irresponsible. That's a reach. I know it's a reach. That's a big reach. But, I, I, but I'm just saying, you know, within the, the context of now, when the film is being released, I don't think audience members can escape that connection necessarily. I escaped it. Okay. I'm well, a special I, case, though. You're, yeah. I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> well, quite slow am I I'm just saying when, when, when I saw these handheld shots of the police in riot gear I couldn't help but think of the Occupy movement and, and almost you, you, have, you, you kind of do have this sense in the film of the, this group of kids as kind of this rebellious revolutionary movement yeah we're going to do what we want you know the helicopters are shining their lights down and they're flicking them off like yeah, this is our time. We're going to do what we want and uh, screw you, essentially. They're, they're trying to stick it to the man, and yet at the same time... Define the man. The man. They're, they're sticking it to the system. They're sticking it to anybody who wants to tell them they can't do what they want to do. Okay. Anyone who says, you can't drink, you can't party, you can't have a good time, you need to go to bed, you need to stop burning your house down. You can't do drugs. Those fascists. <laughs> exactly. Stop burning your house down. Yes. And I was kind of like, wait, wait, wait. The You know, if it's trying to pre present the police in a negative light. I don't think it was. It was just, it was just, I think it was just like a gag. Like these kids have gotten so out of control. 
Because the cops would come. You got to think about it. Right. The party's gotten that out of control. The cops will come back. Right. But but like they, they tase their neighbor for – and that's presented as, you know, for laughs and – you tell me you've never tased a neighbor before. I've never tased my neighbor before, Andrew. Sorry, it's a rite of passage. And it's just like so so much of the humor I felt like is grounded in terrible things, either misogyny and homophobia, um, midget jokes. Which, oh my god, really? We're we're resorting to midget humor? Yeah. Now, yeah. I know I shouldn't use the word midget, but they, that's the word they use in the film. Uh. You know, and, and even animal cruelty. What about tall people jokes? Tall people don't deserve to get made fun of ever anymore. <laughs> but, but like animal cruelty, like tying the dog to the balloons. Yeah. There was, was a part of me that was like, oh, that's funny. And then another part of me that's like, no, that's horribly cruel. And you even see the dog later. The dog's like traumatized. Yeah. And they find the dog the next day in like a drawer. And I was just like, my God, they were terrible to that animal. PETA's going to have a fit. When they see this film. And and yet all of this stuff is being presented for laughs. And that – and with no consequences. And that is just it, – it went over the edge for me. You know, I feel like, hey, if you want to retain your independence, you want to have a good time, that's fine. But let's – let's there's a limit. I don't know. I, I'm still back on – I'm trying to really separate – my distaste for the, some of the actions of the characters from the movie itself, because you can't can't not like a movie because it has unlikable protagonists. There are lots of good movies where the protagonists are not that likable. Well, right, but I think it's fair to dislike a movie because you think it's setting society back. No, I, I agree with that. Really I agree with that a hundred percent. Horrible 100%. values. Um, and I do think that this movie glorifies superficiality and stupidity. And I think that that's definitely trying to sell itself to a certain demographic where that is sort of mindless right now about having right. fun, about having a good time. Right. And you, you got to think a lot of the kids that go see this film are going to be college and high school yeah. kids. Some of them probably underage were going to sneak in. Yeah. And they're going to see these kids doing drugs along with alcohol, which isn't dangerous at all, you know, and doing all these crazy things. Um, and they're going to come away thinking that that's cool. And it's okay if you do that, even if it messes up your life. And I feel like... <laughs> we are coming off. We, I know we sound, so like, we, we sound like a bunch of old people, but I feel like it's true. You know, I feel like, you know, when we go... I think filmmakers have a responsibility... To promote, I sound like such a a Republican talking point machine here, but I feel like you know filmmakers do have a responsibility to quote to promote quote unquote good values, good family values. I, but how, yeah, but then how say, can but, you do like a TV show like Dexter then when he's going around killing people? Because Dexter, the, the, here's the here's the difference. Dexter has. A conscience to a certain extent. Dexter is not beyond redemption. And at no point in Dexter is it glorifying his actions. At no point is it saying... This is fun. This is fun this is and good. we should all go out and kill people. Yeah. You know. Saying this is a man with a serious psychological affliction. Right. I think if you want to have morally gray protagonists, that's great. I think that's that's ripe for exploration. It's ripe. It is. Ripe. But it's not okay to basically say... Yes, these are horrible people, but they're not that horrible. They're actually really great, and you should be just like them. 
Yeah. You know. You guys can't see it, but Andrew right now is literally standing on a soapbox. He's <laughs> 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 it, just literally on a soapbox right now <laughs> in the room. Yeah. So I, I just did not I did not care for the movie. And again, maybe again, maybe it's because I tend to overanalyze things, especially looking at them from a political sense. But I kind of felt like the movie was kind of trying to get people riled up and be like, yeah, you go, kids. You stand up. You're having a good time. Whoa, that's awesome. Join the movement. And I'm kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's way more legitimate movements out there, whether it's the Tea Party or Occupy or whatever. If you want to protest, quote unquote, the system, there are responsible legitimate ways to do it without destroying massive amounts of property and engaging in behavior that is probably going to end in people either going to jail or getting killed. Yeah. I mean, the see, the way I read it is, you know, it's okay to have fun, but, you know, know when to stop. Like, no, don't give yourself over to it so mindlessly, so completely that you stop thinking things through and just become destructive. Well, here's the, here's the thing, is that so much of it revolves around the quest for sex. The quest for sex. We are going to get laid tonight. This is going to make us cool. All the hot women are going to be here. This is our chance to to become men and and to get laid. And at the end of the night, he didn't get laid. So he didn't achieve his goal. But it was still cool because they got to see breasts. They got really <laughs> drunk. And everyone thinks they're awesome now. And I was just kind of like, okay, I understand as men and especially teenage men, you, you have needs. Oh, my God. <laughs> you want to satisfy. Oh. But is it worth God. thousands of dollars in property damage? <laughs> is it oh. worth putting the whole neighborhood at risk? <laughs> to satisfy your needs. To satisfy those needs. Uh... I'm just I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, if 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 those are your choices, just jerk off and be done with it. Oh. You know? <laughs> it's not worth the jail time, my friend. I mean, you will get laid in jail, but it won't be what you want. And Andrew knows. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to jail. <laughs> but he has spent a lot of time doing the other thing. <laughs> you didn't always have a girlfriend. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like the movie the movie hates women. The the movie hates gay people. The movie hates um adults. <laughs> the movie hates responsibility. Pretty much anybody without press. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So anybody who doesn't look like they just stepped out of the pages of Maxim is not welcome yeah, at this party. I, I was like, oh my god, are there no normal looking, looking people here? Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've been to high school in multiple countries, and not everyone looks like a model. Well, it's funny because the movie simultaneously is trying to be super realistic with the documentary angle, but it also at super glossy right at the same time and those styles it just is jarring sometimes well again it because it's a hollywood product yeah it's trying to relate to people and you know relate to the to the teenage male demographic and be like yeah let's stick it to the man we're on your side but it's also a product that is trying to sell tickets 
and attract viewers. Yeah, I mean, in the hypothetical world of the film, somebody found all the found footage and edited out all the ugly people, I guess. (laughs) It's like, oh, ugly, out. Yeah. out. So you're assuming like all the good scenes where like mom is crying and the kid learns a lesson, there are probably ugly people in the background that just needed to get cut out. Right. And the the only time you see people that aren't uh, stereotypically, quote unquote, beautiful. Yeah. According to the culture's ridiculous standards of beauty is is when it's played for laughs. Yeah. Like, oh, our friend JB. Or extremes. Yeah. You he's get kind the sh- of a fat dork. <laughs> you got the schlub. You got the crazy. But, he, but see, even old he man. gets laid. Yeah. Because this is a total fantasy. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a shot in the film of a uh, kind of a, a chubby African American girl dancing. Yeah. And it's played for laughs. And I was kind of like, okay, so let's see if the white attractive people are dancing. It's awesome. If the non-white and non-attractive people are dancing, it's not. It's it's, hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) This movie just makes me, it makes me angry. I know it does. It makes me angry that this is what passes as good mainstream entertainment. I mean, $12 million was spent on that movie, which in the grand scheme of Hollywood movies isn't a lot, but still, that's $12 million that could have been used to, you know, stop poverty in a school. Ghost Rider 3. Ghost Rider 3! I mean, it's just, it it makes me very upset. I'm with you. Okay. No more attractive people in movies. And get off my lawn. All right, anything else you want to say? No, I feel like we've, we've talked this to death. Yeah. We've come off as old, curmudgeonly. Maybe we're bitter because we didn't get invited to such I think an awesome that m- party. might be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I never went to a party where the house caught on fire and we were on TV and became famous, and I'm jealous of these kids, so I must be bitter. I think so. Nobody ever drove my dad's car into the pool. <laughs> that would have been amazing. That would have changed high school for you. It pro- I would have gotten like the, the whole applauding scene. Yeah. Like, Everyone would have applauded. Everybody would have like, yay. You would have got you would have gotten awesome. the girl. I, I would have. Mm-hmm. I would have gotten her. You would have gotten multiple women you could have had the woman of your choice if only you drove your dad's car into the pool yeah then they would have been like oh wow what a badass what a cool guy <laughs> what a cool guy who can't even drive <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know that frank he's... he got wasted and got behind the wheel which is always a smart thing to do and drove it into the pool what a badass it's so hot the way he he writes his articles and <laughs> that book he's reading and then he burned his house down oh burned his house down <laughs> Homelessness is such a turn-on. <laughs> right. Okay, to wrap up today's show, we, we, we need to do our new segment that we started doing. It's always a lot of fun. Reboot this! Reboot this? Reboot that. This is the part of the show where we pitch either a sequel, a prequel, or a remake of the film that we talked about this week. So, Frank, I'm, I'm going to throw it over to you. If you could make a sequel, a prequel, or a remake to Project X, what would you choose and what would it be like? Pitch me. S- sequel. Sequel. Okay, okay, we open in prison. Okay. Thomas Cub has been there serving his sentence. It's been two years since the last party. The warden tells him that he can get early release. But in order to do that, he has to help the warden throw an awesome party for his wife. <laughs> his, for his wife? Yes. Okay. His wife's baby shower. Okay. So Thomas enlists the help of JB and Costa to throw the the best bridal shower ever so he can secure his early release. But they take it too far, and things go wildly awry. And before you know it, 
pregnant women are getting out of control. <laughs> That's not good for the baby. No, it's not, but it's good for ticket sales. <laughs> Ka-ching. <laughs> and the baby turns out fine at the end. Exactly. And there are no consequences. Exactly. Thomas gets out of jail. Costa runs away with the warden's wife. <laughs> this one's going to be much more family-oriented. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and for for some reason... We find out that Thomas has been sent to a woman's prison, so there's lots of nudity. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Naturally, for the storytelling. <laughs> the prison is co-ed. Yeah. <laughs> Those co-ed prisons you always hear so much about. Okay. What's your, what's your pitch? It's a sequel, like yours. Okay. Okay. This isn't two years later. This is 30 years later. Okay. Thomas has been in and out of jail multiple times. Oh, wow. He's got several gang tattoos. Wow. Um, his parents have died. Yeah. By this point, he's kind of on his own. Um, he's working a dead end job, making minimum wage. At Party City. Yeah, at Party City. There we go. And he's trying to get his life back on track. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to be responsible. He's thinking, where did I go wrong? If only I hadn't had that party. But along comes Cost Costa, who has become a famous lawyer, very wealthy, has a supermodel for a wife, uh, was able to buy his way out of prison. And he tells Thomas, hey, man, I see you're down on your luck. You know what you need to do? Get laid. (laughs) (laughs) He says, you just need to get some poontang. (laughs) You just aged yourself. You just dated yourself. Oh, now I really sound like you never say poontang again. <laughs> he says you need to get some. That was tang. gross. That will fix all. That was offensive. All your problems. It's more offensive than the entire movie combined. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, "I'm throwing a huge party at my place because it's I'm turning fifty or whatever, <laughs> and we're throwing a huge birthday bash." Um, and we're inviting everybody I know. We're inviting all these A-list celebrities I know. We're inviting all these rich and wealthy people. We're inviting all of our friends from high school who remember that party. And it is it is going to go down, and it is going to be amazing. So Thomas arrives at this party, which starts out kind of refined and fancy. Because Costco is a wealthy lawyer now. But then suddenly, Costco runs. <laughs> it's not Costco. Not the store. It's not Costco. Costa. <laughs> but suddenly, Costco runs Costa. out of an upstairs bedroom, completely naked, drunk, out of his mind, condom still on, and You're basically filthy. just says, oh, my God. This is the best party ever, at which point everyone applauds, and then things really get going crazy. And we're talking we're talking massive Hollywood-style orgy happening, okay? We're talking sex everywhere, most of it unprotected, <laughs> of course, because you don't want to be responsible at all. That's given it that's given into the system. Tons of unprotected sex. Tons of drugs. Charlie Sheen is there. <laughs> Charlie Sheen's there. Yeah. Both of his ex-wives. At, at this point, he's like 70. But he's still going strong. 
<laughs> and at the end of the night, of course, tons of stuff has been destroyed. People have died. But it ends with Costo saying, it's okay. My friends, I, I, I'm a wealthy lawyer. You know, I made an extra hundred grand. I, I made an extra $2 million bonus this year. So we can totally pay for this. It's fine. The cops are in my pocket. We're good to go, Thomas. And you know what, Thomas? Because you did such a good job partying tonight and had sex with half a dozen women at the same time, I'm going to give you a job uh, at my company. I'm going to pay you, because you're my friend, I'm going to pay you uh, 500 grand a year to be my personal assistant slash secretary. Basically, just do data entry stuff. Keep my schedule organized, and you'll be rich. Yikes. And that's how it ends. Yikes. With uh, Thomas and Costo riding off into the sunset in Costo's fancy BMW, never having to face any consequences for their actions. I don't think you got that name right once, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, and also, at, at, at this party, people die. People die. But it's awesome. Yeah. Because anything that happens at this party is going to be awesome. Well, they give out guns because man's the most dangerous animal. Yes. There we go. There's a hunting expedition that happens in Costo's massive backyard (laughs) in which they hunt each other using real bullets. Friends become enemies and enemies become friends. Yes. And also in this film, there's going to be 50 dogs on balloons. Yeah. And they're actually going to, you know, float away. Yeah. And who knows where they'll wind up. Yeah. They'll probably die. Probably. Yeah. Eventually. The balloon will pop and down they'll go. Those poor dogs. Bleak. Yeah. Oh, and also in the in the in the sequel, there is gonna be another quote unquote midget stuffed in the oven, except the oven's gonna be turned on. Oh. And he's gonna run out on fire and punch people in the nuts. No, you just need to have like Brad Garrett. You've already done the short guy. You need to get the really tall guy. Oh, that's a good point. And he's stuck on like the refrigerator. And he's always hitting his head on things. Yeah, because that's always hilarious. It is. Tall people hitting their head on things. Mm-hmm. It's comic gold. I think we also need to get some people with disabilities to laugh at. Yeah, probably. Probably. More women to objectify. Probably. Well, I don't think we should even bother with clothing this time around. No, everyone's going to be naked. Yeah. There's going to be a bunch of, there's going to be some really stereotypical gay people to make fun of. Yeah. At the party. And yeah. I think that's about it. It's going to be a great party. I wish I was going. I do not. Okay. Things are going pretty strong. And then Ghost Rider shows up. (laughs) (laughs) I love how now whenever we do reboot this, Ghost Rider shows up at some point. Ghost Rider shows up and is not okay (laughs) with the orgies at all. (laughs) Not okay. He's the person that sets the house on fire. Exactly. He does because he's Ghost Rider. (laughs) (laughs) I like how every time we do reboot this, it turns into a Ghost Rider sequel. And then he turns back into Johnny Blaze. Okay. He's like, wow, look at all these scantily clad No, no, no. He shows up to the party as Johnny Blaze, <laughs> but doesn't get laid. Yeah. And is so angry. Ghost he just, Rider. He turns into Ghost Rider and burns everything down. Yes. Yeah. Hell yes. I hope you guys are having a hell of a good time. <laughs> this party seems pretty hot. <laughs> it's, it's time to heat things up. <laughs> Okie dokie. All right, that'll do it for our episode on Project X. Be sure to tune in next week when we're beginning our coverage of South by Southwest. Uh, Film Geek Radio will be down in Austin, Texas to cover the film portion of the South by Southwest Festival. We're looking forward to it. We've got a ton of really cool interviews and reviews uh, of, of new films 
coming up. So be sure to check uh, the iTunes show feeds and also definitely check the website, www.filmgeekradio.com, starting uh, next week. Check it pretty regularly because we're, we're going to have a lot of content coming your way from South by Southwest. Uh, we would love to get your feedback on the show. We've got a quick 10 to minute, 10 to 15 minute survey on the website. Uh, the, we would really appreciate it if you fill that out and just give us a little bit information. Just give us a little information about yourself and what you like and dislike about the shows, what we can do to improve Film Geek Radio. That would really uh, help us out. You can also email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website, www.filmgeekradio.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes. If you do that, please leave us a review. Help get the word out about the show. Uh, you can also donate to us through the website and help uh, help keep us running, help cover some of our hosting costs, uh, help uh, keep us on the air. Frank, where can people find you online? At FJ Ready on Twitter. And then www.quitefranklytelevision.wordpress.com. I'm Andrew Johnson. You can find me partying the night away every single weekend. Yep. Burning some a new person's house down. <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writer Andrew. Uh, also be sure to check filmgeekradio.com uh, or check our blog extension uh, for, for more articles and written reviews that I will be uh, contributing in the future. Contribution. Yes. Who are you taking a South by Southwest with you, Andrew? Tell them. Uh, Chris Baker from our show All About the Walking Dead, Wait, Wait, Don't Eat Me, will be going with me to South by Southwest. We are really looking forward to it. Uh, he's going to be covering a lot of the horror and midnight genre fair. Genre. So we are. that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Stay tuned for that. And if also, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead and you're not listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Eat Me, what is wrong with you? You need, you need to listen to this show. Not just because it's on Film Geek Radio, but because it's really good and they – really tackle some interesting issues like how to properly survive in a post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic landscape and whether or not zombies poop i mean these are important controversial issues that need to be explored i know they keep me up at night yeah so if you're not listening to wait wait don't eat me you should all right that'll wrap it up for today's show as always i'm andrew johnson oh and i'm frank reddy have fun this week getting how This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!